cliffcentral.com. Youth Day, the 16th of June, is a day that marks the courageous contribution made by the young people of Soweto back in 1976. It is a day where blood was shed, dreams were shattered, and hundreds of lives were lost. But it is also a day when foundations were laid, seeds were planted, and a new bright future began. It is in carrying this message and essence that cliffcentral.com is proud to debut Hashtag 16 for 16, a collection of 16 voices paying homage to some of the heroes that molded their lives during their younger years. Hey, my name is Brent Lindicue, the good things guy here at Cliff Central. It's June 16th, which means we get to focus on our heroes and what really inspired us when we were younger. And if I have to pick just one person, it would have to be my dad. I guess the only time I realized that he was really my hero was seven years ago when he passed away. The guy absolutely bent over backwards to do everything he possibly could to make me the man I am today. He taught me right from wrong. He taught me that average wasn't good enough. And he taught me to take life with both hands and give it everything that I absolutely have. I'm thankful and honored to call Philip Lindicu my dad. And I'm thankful and honored to call him my hero. June 16th is an amazing time to realize the opportunity that the kids of South Africa have to give them the platforms and to make them be the best that they can be. On June 16th, I'll be doing everything in my power to do just that, empowering the youth around me to be better, to create a better South Africa for today and for tomorrow. Hi everyone, Debohoma 40, uh, 360 Biz every Wednesday, 1 p.m. right here on Cliff Central. And that's what I do here at Cliff Central. My hero um, is my grandfather, uh, JJ Ntwana. We actually used to call him JJ. Um, you know, one thing that, or the reason he's my hero, it's because um, he believed and dreamed on my behalf. Uh, what do I mean that he believed and dreamed on my behalf? Is that obviously um, I grew up in a very disadvantaged background um, where I had to practically depend on his pension money and um, him selling sweets and cold drinks at home uh, to be able to to, to survive. So um, one thing, the reason he's my hero, um, like I said, he dreamed on my behalf. He always used to declare and speak over my life. He used to say he dreams and wishes um, that I get to a point where God blesses me in regards to my business, um, in regards to my family, and, um, you know, wealth in general, for some odd reason, at the time, I didn't even think I'd be a businessman. But he never spoke of me getting a job or anything. But he spoke of me being a businessman and the businessman that I am today. And for him, he was very entrepreneurial because, I mean, um, living out of his pension money, it was not enough. So for him to compensate, he needed to sell cold drinks and sweets and whatever that he could actually lay his hands on. He actually did the first investor in my business. Because he gave me 50 rands um, to actually start a business of selling cakes at school. So for him, it's actually the person that shaped me, um, you know, and the values that I picked up from, from or the lessons that I picked up from it. Definitely, it's um, entrepreneurial skills. Um, and mainly, I think it's love. Because um, this is the man that after his wife died, um, he never got remarried. And he actually raised seven kids on his own. 
and um, him raising these seven kids, he said uh, the love of his life um, has actually passed and he doesn't want no other, but he needs to transfer the love that he has uh, to his kids and to eventually grandkids. And having been, I'd like to think, the favorite grandson, um, it's love definitely because right now we're living in an era where there's no love. People have become selfish. Uh, it's all about them. Um, it's all about what they can do, what they can achieve, but not what they could do uh, for the next person. So my grandfather, he was a person that not only did he love his kids, uh, but he loved other people within the community. He was the most popular, I mean, in the streets and in the community as a whole, you know. So it's definitely something that that um, he taught me. And another thing that I think um, he taught me that I'll forever cherish, um, the importance of dreaming. You know, uh, because with him, uh, as much as when you looked at our situation or circumstance, you didn't see or you didn't say that I was going to be a businessman or you didn't say I was going to be a somebody in the community one day. But for the fact that he declared those things over my life and when he looked at me, he saw it in me and he spoke it into existence. That's why today I think I'm enjoying the blessings and the benefits um, of that. So he wanted me to be free. And be in a position to uh, to own up my life. That's definitely the lessons that I got from him. And what does June 16 mean to me? Um, definitely one of the things it means the freedom that I was taught uh, by my grandfather. And for me, more than anything, June 16 is all about purpose. Um, you know, these are young people um, that fought for what they believed in. You know, so it actually speaks to 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 the belief that I made reference to from my grandfather. These are young people that came together and decided to become one and they decided to what to believe that they could be free, to believe that there could be a bigger cause that they fight for, for young people, for the country, uh, to actually be free one day. And more than anything, they identified a purpose that they were fighting for. And they knew that some of them, they might not be free to see this freedom today. But at the end of the day, they knew that some of them, they're going to die for us to be free today. And guess what? We're having that freedom today. You know, I'd like to think we have um, political freedom but we still yet, um, as a transformed generation, fight um, for economical uh, freedom. We need to find our purpose. And reality is right now we need to be fighting for a country um, that has no color, country that has no gender, but a country of South Africans, you know, and Africans as a whole that could come together, find that one purpose and that one freedom that we could fight for, for our kids to enjoy, for our kids to actually live up to. This is Double Homer 40, 360 Biz, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. I'm out. I am Palesa Maboye. I am the technical producer at cliffcentral.com. Um, my heroes are the June 16th. The, the youth of 1976. Um, the reason why they are my heroes is because they work together as a collective to reach a goal. And because they were forced to, to learn um, every subject in Afrikaans. So they work together to reach that certain goal of, no, we are not going to do this and we are not happy about this. So, yeah. Um Okay. Um, and the lesson I learned from them is um, 
if we are not happy with something or if we don't like something or how something is done, then if we work as a collective, we can reach a goal instead of this mentality that we are, we have now as the youth of um, I want to be great alone or I want to reach this goal alone or I want to shine on my own. But if we, we're working together to reach a certain goal, then, I mean, we can all win. Um, and June 16 to me means um <laughs> besides it meaning a holiday um it means the 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 youth of 1976 have paved a way for us and if we as the youth want something or we are not happy with something um something we can reach it um regardless of of anything that's standing in our way but if we work together um, if we plan together um, and if we fight together against everything, then we can reach a certain goal. What's up, everybody? My name is Markham Juli. I am a stand-up comedian and also the host of The Worst Guys on CliffCentral.com. I've been asked to tell you a little bit about who my personal heroes are. Uh, I've chosen a hero, Trevor Noah. As a South African stand-up comedian myself, I aspire to the achievements that he has achieved over time. Um, the main reason why is because he's actually become a global leader and a global icon. I mean, he started off in South Africa and he was the first one to break the glass ceiling of South African entertainment. He was really the first stand-up comedian that everybody knew. Um, and even today, that's that's very hard to come by. I mean, we do have more emerging comedians such as Lois Sokola, who's doing things internationally as well, which is great. But he really set the bar and set the standard for what we can actually do as entertainers. And the primary reason why I actually love him is that he is a global leader. Uh, after being on the cover of Times and being able to host uh, 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 such a big show like The Daily Show, he's he's passed over the identity of just being a comedian and he's become a, a true global leader. He's an influencer in terms of the broader spectrum of the world and where it's going as opposed to just Twitter. Um, and one of the things that I do value is that he started in South Africa. He had a show here very similar to the one uh, he does now at the, the Daily Show in America where he interviewed South African uh, entertainers and celebrities and ultimately it didn't work. And that's a, that's a hard thing to accept as a, as a South African entertainer when you've got the goods and you've got the talent to not be accepted by your own people. Um, but he had to go where people understood what he was trying to do and who people who really related to the the talent that is Trevor Noah. So um he there were many reasons why it obviously wouldn't have worked. Maybe he says there were there weren't enough celebrities in South Africa first and foremost. Um but yeah he did he did do this starting in South Africa and he's taken our story to an international level uh which I really appreciate I, I just want to do things on a bigger scale in South Africa. Like you said, there was no, there are no South African celebrities or entertainers. And we want to break that glass ceiling that currently exists in our country where 
we we want to have superstars. We want to have people who are great, who children can actually put pictures of them on their walls. Uh, that doesn't tend to happen in South Africa. Our idols are usually from overseas. And Trevor Noah could be somebody who's from South Africa, who has a South African story, and who's gone on to do great things around the whole world. Um, other than sports stars, we don't really see any um, aspirations to be anybody in South Africa. And I think Trevor Noah has that uh, capacity to inspire young people to lead and to be great and to be bigger than the the place that you that you come from yeah um more i've also been asked to speak about june 16 and what that means to me personally what june 16 means to me is the idea of the impact that the youth can have on society uh i think we we often underlook the influence that young people can have uh i'm a true believer in the fact that the youth is always on the edge of change they're the first to see where uh, uh, movement is going. So we look at things like the fees must fall protests that have taken place over the last couple of years. And a lot of older people might not understand why, uh, people are crying for free education, but the youth can see that there's money in this country and that it's not going to the right places and it's held by a minority. And they're aware that education is of such a high value that if it was free, we'd be able to move so much faster and so much quicker as a country. So youth day to me just means listening to the youth and understanding that their points are valid. No matter where you are or how old you are, um, the world is, is not about you anymore. As, as soon as you start to break out of that youth category, though, the world is about what the youth sees and where they see the world going. And the way I see it going now is, uh, is great. I love what the youth is doing. So I'm always in tune with what is being said by young people because they have this incredible ability to create change and influence like they did in, uh, June 16 in 1976. So yeah, it's all about the ability of the influence of youth to make change in this country. Um, and in the world overall, we can never underestimate the power of young people. Hello, my name is Tani Khabula and I'm an intern here at cliffcentral.com. We're getting closer to a public holiday that carries so much weight and so much significance in our lives. One person I look up to as my hero is my father. My father is my hero because he has taught me a lot. Oscar Khabula is a man of integrity and he has taught me the value of love the value of respect, the value of believing in myself, the value of family, the value of education, and the value of a purpose-driven life. My father has always loved me unconditionally because every time I'd be in trouble, every time I thought I'd wrong him, he would always forgive me and tell me, I am not shouting you now or giving you a lecture because I don't love you. I'm giving you this lecture to know that I love you and you must behave better or change your ways. That is love. He told me to believe in myself because at times I would be hesitant. I would doubt my capabilities or my strengths and he would tell me, you are capable of achieving everything or anything you put your mind to. And my dad has enforced or rather instilled the value of education in me he's always told me that Tandy, education is one weapon that nobody 
nobody can take away from you and is one weapon that you can use to strike twice as hard. He told me that to make it in life, you must always achieve. <laughs> you must always put your mind to it, have a positive mindset. And he always reminded me that you won't make it alone. And ask for assistance when needed. Take critics. If they're negative, turn them into a positive. And if they are positive, don't let them go straight to your head and you being arrogant that, yeah, I am good at this, so I don't need anybody to tell me. And the value of sacrifice is one thing that my dad carried because when he left his job between borders working between Switzerland and Botswana he came back to South Africa to take care of me and my brother and he when my brother asked him why did you come back he said I felt like my family needs me more there is money to be made in South Africa as well so I'm gonna stay and watch you guys grow to be like great people in society. He told me, my girl, being capable and striving has no color, has no gender, has no boundaries, has no limitations. And success has no due date, has no expiry date. So education, in education or in success, you will fail, but then you get up and try again until you get it right. And... He told me, I don't understand why people mourn and cry when somebody dies because it has become a norm. Where else people don't cry and mourn when somebody is just leaving and has no purpose in life. I see that as a tragedy. I would cry to watch you do nothing and be nothing where else I've invested a lot in your well-being and your education. I'm not saying pay me back, but I'm saying make me proud. He always likes, he always says that. And my father is a man, is a man of discipline because in all my years of growing, I know that, okay, this is wrong, this is right. And he always told me not to settle for less and that being average is not good enough. And by that, I always thought that this man doesn't appreciate my effort. This man is never satisfied. But then with that, he, he, he also helped me to strive like twice as hard because I know if I go home with a 50%, yes, it's a pass mark, but then he's going to tell me pass mark is not good enough. You needed that 50 to pass. So. That 50 initially belongs to your school. Where is your mark? Understand? And, yeah, my father, oh, my father is my hero, man. <laughs> I love him so much and he tells me every day to value the people who invest in our well-being and reassure them that they matter well, they're still alive. So every day I text my dad and tell him, dad, I love you. I hope you're okay. And what June 16 means to me, 
June 16 is a day that commemorates the strength or courage that the youth of 1976 had to create such unlimited platforms where we have better education, where we have a choice of language, a choice of lifestyle, a choice of like literally everything. You understand? Where there are no boundaries, where there's limitless opportunities. And yeah, I'm grateful for the the uprising because if it was not for it all the opportunities and everything I've seen so far I don't think I would have achieved or even like knew what what they look like what they feel like yeah so June 16 to me carries so much significance and for that I'll forever be grateful I'm Anguini Kazaya I'm a scholar I'm 15 years old and the person who's inspired me the most in the last year and a half or so is a girl named Amanda Stienberg. And she is an actress and a singer. And she's discovered in a movie called Colombian, where she plays a younger version of an, a character. And how she came about to inspire me, she she's a person who's always been openly spoken about. She's got an open view on things politics as well as black consciousness and I started because of previous incidences with the like because of the way in which things were happening I started digging deep and stopped reading on the surface and actually went down and see how this impacted my life even though I lived thousands of kilometers away from where all of this was happening um the video where she became quite well known is a video she talks about don't crash crop on my corners. And she talks about black culture and how our hair is very much associated to our culture. <clears throat> um, she's an 18-year-old girl who's been speaking on the fact that black people are not as loved as black culture. And she gives examples about how there's so many artists in the industries where they have never with the whole black lives matter movement she has never there are artists like Iggy Azalea who's an Australian white rapper who claims she's the best rapper she's got the big bums the big tits and all of this that that when it's on a black person it is frowned upon but when it's on a white person it is seen as such a good thing and Azalea Banks said once that what she hates is that when it's on a black child or a black person, it's seen like you can't do shit and you're not worth shit. But then when it's seen on a white person, it's glorified, which is what was happening at school. And this happens in our South African schools to this day. You'll see kids who are being like black boys, our own race would be like, I don't like date black girls. And then when they're like, okay, but who do you date? They're like, no, I'll date a white girl, but I'd want to with black features, which then linking back to Azalea Banks video interview, it made sense as to why she said that, because obviously she in the past had experienced things like this. Um, so recently a boy around my age 
at a school in Cape Town wrote an article and he said an overwhelming majority of South African schools, both private and public, don't allow boys and girls to have African hairstyles because of neatness. Black girls' hair is a central component to their identity and culture. And in the clip, Amandla talks about how this is the truth and that people who look down on our hair and our culture don't realize that they're taking away years and years and years of struggle that was built. Example for me, when I was younger, I was never... I was never complimented for my hair. I was never told, oh, your braids look nice. And I was between ages of five and ten. I was never told, oh, your braids look nice. It never, no one ever boosted me, unless it was my parents and my small group of friends. No one ever told you that it was okay to have braids and to like your natural hair. No one ever said, yeah, your natural hair. You're always, you're always relaxing your hair for school because of its neatness. You never had to, you always had to put chemicals in order for other people to start liking your hair. And I think that's the biggest problem within our, my generation specifically is that we, now that there's an uprising, especially in black culture, people are taking offense as if they've never said anything disgusting about black people yet. Years and years and years, people have said pretty rude things about black people. Example, at a school in Cape Town where children were forced to relax their hair and they were not allowed to speak their mother language in class. I don't understand how that principle allowed those rules to happen in an African school. First of all, the majority of that school is black. So by taking away, she took away the identity to the point where children were like, I fear coming to school every day to go learn because I know I'm not allowed to speak in my language. I have to now turn it over into this new identity. And that is the biggest problem is that there are adults around us who want us to fit to their norm. They're so used to staying in this area of how, yeah, during apartheid, the, those black kids had to deal with it so you guys can deal with it as well. And that is where society our society in South Africa has failed us because for example like we never get taught about the how much of an impact apartheid era era was to our black families we always taught about how okay yes they didn't weren't able to work in certain areas there were shootings children were shot and all that but the, you never get taught the in-depth in-depth of how actually it hurt them and it broke down the system which then resulted onto our generation being discriminated against, especially within the youngsters where white girls will feel like they're more superior because they've got the new Adidas or the new Nike top. And if a child, a black child and they'd get compliments and compliments, but if a black child would have to have it, they'd be like, Oh, okay, cool. To the point where we have this thing at my old school where it's a system called clubs and societies and every club and society has members and every member gives something about themselves for their billboard. And this one girl specifically put interesting facts. I speak closer. I don't know why, why people feel the need to glorify speaking one of the 11 languages of our country as an interesting fact. I, for one had to do Afrikaans from grade one to grade seven I never got glorified for it. I have to now speak their white tongue, English, in schools. And then if I do crumble, they'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 you're English. But they don't understand that growing up, we never, one, I can say, 
I never had to speak English at home. My dad is very open about speaking African languages at home to the point where now I'm not allowed to speak as much in English like I do. So to the point where I have to now pay money so that it, he drives it into me that it is normal to speak your home language. And then when you do that at school, people look at you like you can't say that because not everyone can speak that language. When people use that excuse to say that, no, we don't understand, so therefore you can't speak it, that is honestly the stupidest, most insensitive thing because when they speak their Afrikaans language, we have to sit there and be like, and they'll be like, no, but you guys had to learn it in primary school. Um, as I was watching Amandla's video, there's one thing she spoke about, and that was appropriation. And she said, appropriation occurs when a style leads to racist generalizations or when stereotypes are originated, but as deemed as high fashion, cool or funny when the privileged take it for themselves. Now that I've experienced in my own capacity where children will want to braid their hair, but they don't understand that black people, because of our the texture of our hair and how hard it is, we sit on a chair for between four and eight hours where you just sit and braid and the only time you go up is to go use the loo which is once every four hours so therefore in a day you only use the bathroom twice because of your hair and they don't understand that when we speak about these problems and how they want to take away something that we feel like we actually own if there's nothing in this world that we own we know that we own black culture they try and take it away they take away that we have our cornrows that we speak in a way like they'll be like, oh, that's so ghetto. And then they'll want to jump on that. Example, the Cash Me Outside girl, Danielle. She is not even, she's 13 years old and she speaks as if she comes from the ghetto. As if, But then if anything was to happen with black culture, she would be the first person to keep quiet. As well as, it's like how when children will want to listen to Trap, Migos and Young Thug and all of these artists who are finally rapping about, well, as well as that's cheap hip-hop, like Tupac, they'll be like, yeah, Tupac, biggie, 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 I've been about him. But they don't understand where where they're coming from. And and I'm not saying I understand exactly where Biggie and Tupac are coming from because I've never lived in America. But I generally understand as to where they come from in a sense of the poverty that I've experienced, that I've seen. I've seen children have to go, not go to school every day because they lent their shoes between all three siblings of the house. I've seen children who have to walk at night at two o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom when they're really scared so they'd rather piss their pants. It's all about how when black people speak about the Black Lives Matter movement, White people want to be like, no, but all lives matter. But where were all those all lives matter when Muslim people are getting bombed in Syria? Where are all lives matter when police brutality happens? For example, on the April 30th, 2014, Dante Hamilton was shot 14 times by a police officer. He was not armed. July 17, 2014, Eric Gardner was shot. He was illegally chokehold for 15 seconds by a white police officer where he cannot, where he is heard saying, I cannot breathe 11 times. John Crawford, shot and killed by a police officer in Walmart. Michael Brown, shot and killed by Ferguson police. Ezel Ford, shot three times because he was mentally ill, including once in the back when a police officer 
when by a police officer. This is just a mere fraction of how many people have died. That's all in 2014. It is 2017 now where there are still incidences of black brutality. However, black people, white people never ever want to say, no, but all lives matter. They'll be like, no, but blue lives matter, all lives matter. But when black people, when anything happens to anybody else besides white people, they're the first people to shut them out and act like, no, we never said anything wrong. We never said all lives matter. They even came up with a catchphrase called blue lives matter, which means that because of the fact that so many white people, black people are trying to get revenge on the police officers. And they're like, no, you guys cannot do that because they are protecting our lives. Who protects our lives if they're the ones killing the kids? And I just think that a lot of the time I know I've seen incidences of racism, but kids who are black as well will be like, no, there's no such thing as white privilege. They'll talk about how there isn't, there isn't like, they'll say no, but if I haven't experienced it, therefore it's not there. I'm not going to say it's not there completely, but to me it's not there because I've never experienced it. And that is one thing that I think is failing our country is that the same Already, we all know the minority in the world is black. Pe- is black people mostly? There is a minority of black people in our world. However, we are a majority in this country, yet we are still treated with the utmost disrespect from the same white people who colonized our parents. They're the same people who made sure that our parents never got to work, never got to work in the same areas as them until obviously the later side of apartheid. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that there are still black kids who will openly say, I have white friends, so therefore I don't think they're racist. There are still black kids who will be like, I'm dating a black boy. I'm dating a white girl, so she's not racist. And a white girl will say the same, I'm dating a black boy, so therefore I cannot be racist. You don't have to be dating somebody to not be racist. I could be dating a white man, but I could still be racist. And I think that's what people need to understand, is that just because you're seen with this person and you know their background, doesn't mean you know their intellectual mind and how they think, how they respond to situations. Especially with the way in which I've experienced people talk to me because of my skin color. They'd be like, oh, but... How would you know? Example, when I transferred to a new school, people started asking, how can you afford it? As if my parents do not work enough to afford school, which is very disappointing in South Africa because it's been how many years since the part? It's been 24 years, 24, 20, between 24 and 25, I think. And when people still ask those questions as if black people have never worked a day in their lives, even if I did come to the school on scholarship it doesn't matter about the scholarship it matters about the fact that my parents looked hard enough and they worked hard enough to get me to that point where I could get a scholarship or I worked hard enough and I don't think I think a problem is in in South Africa right now is that white people don't think black people can make it and that is what Amanda Stienberg has taught me is that even if all these white people are telling you you cannot make it you can make it and everybody has a chance to make it whether you're the, one of those children who have to share shoes three times a day or you're one of those kids who could walk into your Kailami Glen estate, unlock the house and you're looking at a staircase. In between, there's, there's very big extremes in South Africa at the moment. And I think white people need to understand that black people can make it. <clears throat> um... 
Yeah, I just so what I want to what June sixteen means to me is it's the level of how education is now better for black people because what I would like to do with my life, I'd like to go overseas and explore the world. And I cannot do that if June 16 never happened. I could still be learning in the Bantu system, having to do Afrikaans. But thankfully, because of June 16, I am now able to go and have those dreams where I'm like, okay, I want to go out over to Germany, Istanbul, and all these different countries where if I didn't have the education that I have now because of June 16, I would have not ever been able to. So June 16 to me is more of a thing of, yes, we celebrate the heroes that died during June 16, but it's also you celebrate the level of education that you received out of June 16, because if it weren't for June 16, I could not be able to say I would like to explore the world because I'd be barriered so much by the education system that I'm getting. And the question, I just want to leave the world, like the listeners is, what would the world be if we loved black people as much as we like black culture? And Mina, I am the intern Lane Ekai at cliffcentral.com. And some of the young people that inspire me on a daily uh, has to first and foremost go to Am I Ever Gonna Quit? Hell no, it is a brother man, Unesti C. Yes, man, uh, I love his style of rap. I love what he brings to the industry. And, you know, he's killing. He's winning awards, <coughs> even though that's a discussion for another day. But he's doing great things, and I'm just, you know what, constantly inspired. So shout out to you, Mr. Nasty C. Uh, the second one on my list, it is the one and only T.T. Pote Ishiko B. Um, she slays this industry and she is achieving things that we were like, damn girl, open up the industry. We also want jobs, but she, she keeps doing great things. And you know, I respect her hustle on a thousand. Yo, yeah, girl, you're doing it. And another one that I think a lot of people would be surprised by, but oh babes, oh babes, oh babes, oh babes, oh babes, oh babes, what do more? I mean, I love, love, love her. And if you are not on the same, you know, same feeling as I am about her, then oh no more now. Oh no more now. I, yeah, oh babes, she's just so authentic. I love the fact that she speaks Isizulu. And, you know, she's just living her best life. Yes, girl. So, yeah, love you, babes. And, uh, I, how can I not? Yeah, uh, my sister, my, my sister, uh, she has definitely had a really big impact on the person I am today. In fact, I am the woman I am today because of her and her teachings, her lectures. Um, everything that I, I know is because, yo, know, this, this, this sister of mine has just been like, girl, no, Zama, no, yes. So yeah, to my minister of transport, education, minister of finance, uh, minister of everything. Yeah, you, you inspire me on, on a daily, in fact, every day. And if I could be anyone, if, if God asked me if I could come back as anyone in this world, I'd definitely come back as you. So yeah, shout out to you. Boop, 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 boop. And what does youth day mean to me?
Freedom is coming tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, um, but on the real, I think each June 16 is a time to reflect, uh, to look at our past and, and see, you know, what happened in 1976? What was the struggle of the youth back then? And what is our struggle of the youth of today? And finding ways to, to collectively overcome that struggle. You know, um, we face so many challenges as as the youth but we need to come together and just be united and say okay we are dealing with this and we're going to overcome it and we're going to conquer it and and then we're going to go on to the next one so for me June 16 is all about identifying the struggle and saying how are we going to overcome and just beat it because we are conquerors and we are winners and we've we made of royalty so hey yeah that's my take i am i think done was this your perfect june 16 recording yes <laughs> what's up it's rehabets wesesele aka rehab ria from the worst guys on cliff central from two to three the only place to be every single wednesday so I've been asked in my life, who is my idol, my childhood hero? And, you know, only one name comes to mind, and that is the one and only Will Smith. You know, some say that I look like him, and uh, I, I like to say that he looks like me, you know. He looks like me. Some people disagree, but, you know, that's life. But uh, the main reason why I see Will Smith as my hero and my idol is because of his will to succeed and, and what he stands for, you know. Um, he has a firm belief that anything is possible, and... Has such a good energy about him um, that I really, really admire and try to implement some of his values in my life and 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 uh, his principles on how to take on challenges, how to how to handle success. He's a, also a very humble human being. Um, not that I can speak from having come across him personally. Um, I think in some far away universe, myself and Will Smith come from the same background. You know. You know, they do say that uh, even African-Americans, they, they, their general descent comes from Africa. So, yeah, anyway, um, one thing that uh, Will Smith um, really, really instilled in me is drive and passion for whatever you do and the belief that you can do it, no matter how tedious the task may be, how un- impossible it can it can seem to, you know, the average human being. Um, I remember a motivational speech of him when he was saying that his father broke down the wall of his front shop, okay, and told his brother and Will Smith to build the wall back up again. Now, Will Smith and his brother, obviously, they were, they were adolescents at this time and they had no experience in the construction, um, of a wall or even anything of that matter. And then they were like, how are we going to do this? You know, how, how are we going to build a great wall? You know, and then it came to them that, you know, you, you don't set yourself out to build the biggest, greatest wall. What you do is you lay each and every single brick as perfectly as possible. You take the first one, lay it down as perfectly as possible as you can. And you do that for every single other one. And you'll find out at the end of it all, you've got a great wall. You know, and that that just also reminded me how you have to believe in the process. You have to love the process in everything that you do. And with him... You know, with all the belief that he has, it, it also draws me um, to my closing of what June 16 means to me. I think it's all about the youth, obviously, being it that it's Youth Day. But I also believe that those kids fought for what they believed in. 
And they had the will and determination not to give up, no matter what circumstances they faced. And we, as people, we tend to take something so small in our lives that we see as challenges and make them so big. Instead of just seeing the benefit of going through that hard time could do for us. So to everybody out there celebrating June 16, what I say to you is go out there, go in search of what you're passionate about. Believe in it, do it, achieve it. It can be done. Kay Romberg and I'm a intern at Cliff Central. Um, my hero is my mother. She is my savior, my rock, and my shoulder to cry on. She's my TV partner, my shopping partner, and she is my life. Without my mother, I wouldn't be the person I am today. She has taught me how to be strong, how to chase my dreams, and just to be a good person. Um, she takes care of my whole family keeping us happy and just supporting us with anything we need. She's a true angel and she's a heavenly saint. I don't know what I could do without my mother. Just there is no words to describe how amazing she is. Um, What June 16 means to me is it was a day that platforms were created to better education in South Africa. And I find that um, June 16 has lost its significance from when it took place. I am Lucas Matebula, and I'm a digital manager here at Cliff Central. And I also part of the Karev Cliff Show. So my role model, as I can say, is my mentor, Solin Dweni. Um, he's the technical advisor to the MEC of Social Development. And um, he plays a quite important role in my life. Well, I met uh, Soli when I was in grade four. Uh, he was already working, so I was in hospital, and I met Soli's friend. And so we spoke, and they told, they, they told me about advertising, about creativity. And as soon as I was out of hospital, I um, got in, in touch with uh, Soli, who then... Um, uh, helped me career-wise on how to choose between a career and a job, which was uh, very, very important to know what's the difference at an early age because a job is something that you just want to do just to get money. However, a career is something that uh, has a longevity, something that you do, uh, you, you might say, forever, you know. You, you know. So he, he was quite helpful for me and... Um, even my first car, when I started working, I had to do late hours. And he was like, yeah, you can't keep on working like this. Um, I'm going to sell you my old car that I have. And he let me use the car and I managed to pay him bit by bit. And even today when I have uh, problems or anything, I do go to him and I see him and then we talk. So he, I think... He's fantastic and I think that's why he's in uh, social development because of he kind of un- understand how to deal with youth, how to deal with people. He's quite inspiring to me and I feel like I need to also follow in his footstep and do something for the youth of South Africa or my siblings. And yeah, that's all I can say. Hey? And when we talk about June 16, uh, what it means to me, it, it needs like celebrating the youth of today you know because um we what they did in the past was was to fight for the freedom so in today's world all we can do 
is to keep that going by helping the youth of today and celebrating it by empowering the youth of South Africa. Yeah. My name is Kerry Stein. I'm 32 years old and I have a show on Cliff Central called The Good Stuff. I had to think about who has made quite a significant impact on my life when I was younger because there have been so many on different levels. When I look deeper, my grand shines through quite prominently. Her name was Dr. Ellen Altschul. She passed away seven years ago at the age of 104. A lot of her family were killed during the Holocaust and the rest came to South Africa as refugees where they began to rebuild their lives. My grand qualified as a doctor by the age of 21 at the University of Cape Town, and then she moved to Johannesburg to practice. She was very connected to high-profile people and those in government. However, she never conformed to anything that had, had to do with apartheid, quite the opposite, which is why I admired her. She was the first white female doctor to go into Alexandra Township to medically treat people at no cost. She saw no color, color and didn't discriminate. Having been through and experienced what she did with her family gave me a completely different outlook on life. She taught me love, have, to have compassion, unity, peace and a greater understanding of humanity. Wherever she could help a young person, she did, including those studying at Wits University. She opened her home and practice to those wanting to go into the same field. Many students over many years from very diverse backgrounds. She was and is without a doubt my biggest hero and should be honored for all the work she has done and has done, had done and how she served people of all races, ages and demographics. She taught me that I can do anything. The sky is the limit. Dreams become visions, visions become goals and those become legacies. Youth Day in South Africa is a very significant public holiday and reminds our country of its importance, of its youth, and brings across the message that something like the Soweto riots should never happen again. I believe we have come a long way in terms of education and bringing our diversity closer together, making us more unified. Education is key, a basic human right that should in no way be compromised. Youth Day celebrated in order to highlight and recognize the role of the youth in the liberation of South Africa. Hi, my name is Kranz Toller. You might know me as G-Man, the ad man. Uh, 11 a.m. every Wednesday. Tune in. Boom. Um, yeah, I think this is a... It's, it's, quite an, it's quite an interesting thing. Who are my... My hero, I don't necessarily have one. I should have two, and, and it's my parents. Um, so my parents... Uh, Peter Toti's toilet and Miss, Mrs. Elizabeth's toilet. So they're my heroes because, wow. Uh, I mean, I guess it's also kind of a, a cliche, um, that, that your folks are your parents. But like in this case, I think that there are a lot of things that I've, that I've learned from them that kind of have shaped the man that I am. Um, and, and, and you know, from like, you know, to kind of, and one of them being, you know, humility and, uh, and, you know, it might not necessarily always be, um, that, that, that clear that I believe so much in it, but I think that it's, it's the foundation that I got from them that has always helped me appreciate and, um, and, and take pride in, in, in kind of everything that I do, but also, also stay humble, uh, but not necessarily to my own detriment. So I think that's really, really cool. And, um, and, and I think also like a, a great, great lessons in, in course correction, you know, so kind of going, you know, so it might seem like, Things go a certain way and, and it might seem like that's, that's just pretty much how things are going to turn out. But, but to have the bravery and, and to have the, and to have the, 
the wherewithal, for lack of a better word, to be able to to not to not judge yourself when you have to course correct, and uh, and that's that's kind of how I've lived my life throughout, um, kind of understanding that I'm allowed to to make some mistakes and then course correct, um, and still be able to 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 get to to get to the, the things that I think I'm I'm capable of. So yeah, they've been. They've been instrumental in that and, and, and it's, it's philosophies like that one that, that, and, and many, many others, obviously, but it's philosophies like that one that have, that have led me to, I think, be, be where I am right now and, and, and to not be so hard on myself sometimes. Um, and it's something that I hope to impart on, on other people in, in my, in my private life and in my, in my, in my professional life as well. So, um, kind of leading, leading a creative team, uh, or leading, leading uh, an, an advertising agency. It's important to let, to let confidence is everything. And, and, and it's important for me to be able to let, uh, the people in my team know that when we, when, when something has gone wrong, when someone has fucked up, that, it, that it's, it's okay to course correct. Um, because then, because it's never, nothing is that broken. Nothing is that broken that you, that you can't course correct. So that, that's always been, that's kind of, you know, one of the, the things that I've, that I've learned from, from my heroes. So, um, yeah, what else? So what does June 16 mean to me? Uh, I think that, it has always been, it's always been a day that, I mean, I, I come from the, from the school where, you know, before it was officially a public holiday, it was called a stay away, um, where you absolutely could not go to school on, 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 on June the 16th, um, because, because of how important that fight has always been, uh, and how important the decision that those kids made, uh, on that, that morning, uh, I mean, we call them kids now, it's, it's amazing that we still call them kids, but, you know, the ones who are alive are, are adults now, but, but those Macarizas, out there made some some important calls that day and 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 in the time leading up to that um so that so that you and i could be sitting where we are right now you know so um uh, it was it was one of the it was one of the the, the beacons that fell it was one of the, the events that did made that that helped in in in, in pulling down uh the, the pantheon of 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 apartheid and i think that we we, we all we, are, we all owe a whole lot of things to to those to those kids and i feel like the spirit of of June 16 has has kind of never left the youth of this country. In a lot of ways, um, in kind of the cycles that the country has gone through, uh, every couple of years, or in fact, pretty much every decade, there's a new wave of, of 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 young people who want to change the status quo in this country. And and you see that with like the fees must fall movement. That you know that is pretty much the same the same spirit that 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 was about change. Um, that that also realized that like negotiating and chatting nicely is not always going to be the way. Um. So yeah, so big up to, to the youth of, of today, the youth of 1976 and, and you know, and, and big up to the youth always staying misunderstood. If, if we, if we are, if we ever try to breed youth that is understood, then we are going to just all, I feel like we will be doomed. So, so yeah, that's what it means to me. Hi, my name is Ben Karpinski. I am head of sports at Cliff Central. So I do the sports on the Gareth Cliff show Monday to Friday, six to nine. And then I host the Bound show every Thursday, 10 to 11. I tell you that because you must listen to that. Uh, when it comes to looking at like influences your life, um, heroes, people who have been a big influence and made an impact, I think it's quite difficult looking back. I feel my life personally has had so many different sort of elements that have got into it. So whereas growing up was like very different to being becoming an adult is very different to where I am now. It's difficult to pinpoint sort of one person, I guess. In a grounding sense, my older brother... Now, I am the youngest of four siblings, so my parents, I think, were kind of over being doting parents by the time I came along. I'm the youngest of four, nine years uh, between me and the, the most, the eldest sibling, six years between me and the next one. So I was a bit of a lot lamaki in classical sense. I think my older brother, Matthew, was always kind of like a big inspiration to me. He was a big influence in my life growing up, 
and he kind of taught me some sort of more streetwise things. I don't think a parent ever could teach you. So as much as my parents were always very supportive and I really enjoyed the part they played in my, in my life, I think growing up, the big influence was always him. He was the first guy to get me into nightclubs. He was the first guy to like get me into a position where I could like maybe talk to girls or drink heavily or going on holidays or like he was just so supportive and he was like a really good older brother. And looking back on it, I think, you know, look at these single, um, single child, uh, families. Like, you know, I'm so glad, grateful I had that in my life because it gave me such a great sort of, um, base going ahead in life you know then my life changes so he wasn't the influence he used to be now we're just good friends more than anything else so i think in in life is it's quite dangerous trying to find a hero a lot of the time because you don't ever want to follow too much i know that sounds like a terrible cliche but if you really admire someone admire what they've done and always just try to take what you're going to do on the back of that inspiration rather than ever mimicking because you'll always be second best at best and that's horrible. There's no point going into a race if you know you can never win it. So when second's the best, don't even try it. Um, I think it's just like, I'm not in a position to ever give great advice to the youth. I'm 35 now. I feel like 23 some days. I feel like 53 other days. I'm finding my own path. And I think that's the one thing that makes me feel happy about my own life is that although I've had great influences, I'm trying to find my own path. And I think when it comes to Youth Day and what it means to me personally – is that we often forget that every public holiday is a day of significance. And Youth Day is definitely one of them because we have a huge youth population in this country. And it's a mostly directionless youth if you were to follow the news of the last two years. So the one message and the one reason I think this day should be seen as significant is that we need to find our own paths. And this is something that youth can still do. Because when you're young, you can still make mistakes because tomorrow you're still young. When you're older, make mistakes. I'm getting older. I know this. Then it's not quite the same thing. So I just think always find your own path. Always try to find your way in life. And if you've got people that can help you out in that, it's a bonus more than a primary. Okay, so my name is Sasha Lee Rosa Gonzalez, and I am the producer of the youth leadership platform on cliffcentral.com. Okay, well, for me, to be honest with you, I don't really think that I could pinpoint one particular young person or well, young person that has lived before that I look up to or that I take as a youth icon. Okay. For me, to be honest with you, the people sitting in this room are youth icons for me. And I know that might sound cheesy as anything, but it really is true. These are the people, the people I'm sitting around and making things happen. Yourself, Bungani, Simpiwe, over to my right. You know, these are the people for me that are the youth icons that are for me particularly. And you know what? I just think that it's important to magnify these type of people. You, you guys that are making things happen, not the people that are, you know, I see a lot of young people out there that Instagram, Twitter lifestyle that are busy, but not really productive. So like they claim to be doing all these big and wonderful, amazing things, but they're not doing a lot of stuff. And I think it's a wrong message to portray. Like guys, if you want to do something, if you want to achieve something, go out there and do it. Don't document it on, on Instagram because it's not actually happening. You're just giving a false message to young people out there that are really dedicated. They're thinking they're, they're sitting there studying, thinking to themselves, how am I supposed to study today? Go to Starbucks five times in the day, have my name written on five <laughs> cups, go to, um, this mall and do shopping and post outfit pictures and do all of that. So don't portray a wrong message to young people out there. Portray the right message that, you know what, even if you're, um, you know, under the radar and you're not really that visible on social media, you are still achieving things. That's what the people in the studio are doing. We're recording right now. We're not out there posting. So just be real about it. But yeah, in general, I think just 
small minor observations here and there, I see really influential young people around me, not anyone in particular. Hi, everyone. I am Bongani Kujo Dao, and I am the host of the Youth Leadership Platform on Cliff Central, and privately, I run a creative agency. All right, Bongani. Being such a young fella and being so involved, can you please, like, tell us who's your one like young hero who's doing the most for you right now, who has a significant mark in your life. Well, it, it's still alive. I guess it, it, this would be relevant. Uh, his name is Bele. In in the 16th century, they took a lot of Africans as slaves and as popularly known um, around those times to to be something that was done. But it was the Portuguese um, troops that did that. And when they got to Brazil and inhabited Brazil, um, because the will of the Africans was always greater, they found their way into the jungle. And when they got to the jungle, they formulated a certain form of martial arts um, only unique to them, which is now commonly known as the capoeira, or in Brazilian terms, it's the jinga. And when they eventually, slavery was abolished and they found their way back into the mother city, these being the African ex-slaves at this point. And only to find that, that the Jenga was outlawed and that if you practice the Jenga or what is known as the capoeira, you'd be arrested. So they needed to find a way to practice the Jenga because it was part of the, um, the fabric that made them who they were. And it, it, it was not only a martial arts. Now it was a form of dance. It was a form of a lifestyle that, that they practiced. And soccer was one medium that they could do that. And they did that and they lost in the finals when uh, Brazil was uh, playing Uruguay in their first World Cup to host in Brazil. At this point in time, Pelé was about nine years of age. And when they lost in the finals, they blamed the Jenga. And after that, the Jenga was um, associated with losing um, the World Cup. So they wanted it out of how soccer was played in Brazil. But Pele said to his dad on, on that particular day that they lost that, you know, dad, one day I'm going to win the World Cup for uh, Brazil. And at 17 years of age, he was in professional soccer and was chosen um, because of his skill and his talent to play in the FIFA World Cup representing Brazil. At that point in time, they had changed formations. They had changed the Brazilian style of playing soccer. And when they got close to the finals... Pele reminded them something at 17, being the youngest in the team, being the youngest ever to play in the FIFA World Cup. And he said, this is not really the Brazilian way. We know the Jenga. It's, it's part of our music. It's part of our dance. It's, it's part of how we protect ourselves. It's part of everything that we do. We need to go back to our roots. And that's how we're going to conquer everything. So when, 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 when he said that, he, he took the ball and they, they started playing to the lighthouse as portrayed in one of the movies. Um, and when, when, when they played that, it brought back that Brazilian feel and that passion in the players. And it reminded them of something that was true to them, something that they had known and they had cherished for years. And they went into the finals. Long story short, Brazil beat the Swedish side, which was the hosting country um, that year, 5-2. And Pele had scored three of the five goals. But how did they win that? Pele took the ball, he placed it on his chest and he did it the Jenga way and everyone joined him. So that translated to mean something to me. And why do I revere 
barely so much is because there's a lot of ideas from your Nelson Mandela, from your Steve Jobs, you know, dabbling into a lot of local and, and international guys. They've came up with ideas, they've came up with visions and they stuck to them and they did the most. They revolutionized systems of government, they revolutionized um, industries. And what that said to me watching the life of Pele or reading about the life of Pele was, what is my Jenga? What is that one thing that speaks to me? That's part of my fabric. That's part of my narrative that I need to follow through. And that will lead this nation to conquer in whatever regard. That's the question I ask myself every single day. If I go to YLP today, what is my Jenga? What do I want to portray to whoever that will be listening to the show? And why do I even do YLP in the first place? It's because I want to drive those particular narratives. Hi, my name is Sia Sangweni, and I am part of the Gareth Cliff Show team. So Youth 16 is, is quite an extraordinary day for myself as a South African, for myself as a black South African, for myself as a young person, and as someone still who personally has very close ties to what has actually happened on the 16th of June back in 1976. And when this day rolls around every single year, without a doubt, I think of the young people, my predecessors, who took to the streets and made a true, real difference. So there are many young people that I look up to and there are great names in the history books. There are your Hector Petersons. There's Malala Yousafzai. There is the legacy of Trayvon Martin in America currently. But I'd have to say my youth hero isn't one person in particular, but it's actually the young people who have made a difference in their corner of the world and aren't in the history books. I'm thinking of the young person who just happened to be part of the group back in 1976, but who still took to the street and whose story has not been shared and whose legacy has not been told. But I am in huge awe and gratitude at someone who at 16 or at 17, to think of not just themselves, but for me, who they did not know would ever exist or in what way my life would be changed and affected because of what they have done or what they were about to do even. It is mind-boggling to me because I think back to when I was a teenager and going through high school and what my woes and troubles were seem absolutely so superficial to, in comparison really to what these young people of 1976 would have gone through. And I think of how now in retrospect, hey, it's the best way to look back at things, how self-obsessed I was and how engrossed I was in my own life and how my priorities were things that were totally not of substance. And I think of probably the worst 
periods of my life being the fact that, oh, but the exam's coming up and I'm so stressed or, oh, well, I don't have the latest phone and that's so tough. And I think about, oh, well, this person doesn't have a crush on me. And to think, wow, like, seriously, dude, like, that was your toughest part. And listen, all pain is the same, and what I went through is what I went through. But I think of the teenagers of 1976 and the fact that they were young people as well. And, you know, they just wanted to fit in, and they wanted the coolest, latest sneaker, and they were testing the boundaries with their parents and trying to go out later and have, you know, longer curfews. But in the midst of their teenage lives and in the midst of everything that they were going through and the state of the country, they still said, well, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to rise up and I want a change and I do not believe in apartheid and I do not believe in apartheid to the point where I want the law changed. That is massive. That is absolutely massive for a young person to think that way and to want change and to want freedom and to want equality to the point where they say, I am willing to die for this. That is something that still literally to this point gives me goosebumps because I cannot imagine what sort of strength, what sort of courage, what sort of fierce resilience you need to have within yourself in order to do that. I think to even ask that of an adult in the 21st century would be a lot. But we are now going back all those years and to look at a young person to do this. That for me is is a... It's not even a a, a weight or burden that I carry, but it is a light that I stand in today. You know, it, it's not feeling intimidated or feel like there is so much expected of me in a negative way. I actually believe there's so much expected of me in a positive way. I stand in their light. I like to always say that the youth of 1976 planted the seeds and I now get to bear the fruit of what they did. They laid the brick. Brick by brick, they laid the solid foundation that I now get to stand on today. You know, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite um, poems is by Maya Angelou. And it's titled To Our Grandmothers. And there's one specific line in it that says, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And that's exactly what June 16 symbolizes for me. You know, whatever I do, wherever I go, whomever I meet, whatever struggle I face in my life today, I think of the fact that I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. I stand as Hector Peterson, but I also stand as so many young people whose names we may have forgotten or whose names may have slipped through the cracks and whose names aren't in the history books. But that is who I stand as. I stand as the people who have made a change for me in order to be here. 
and what standing as 10,000 means is if I doubt myself as I'm about to present in a boardroom, I think of the fact that there was someone who lost their lives in order for me to have the right to even have the opportunity to stand in front of people in a boardroom. Whenever I am feeling despondent or I don't have the motivation to work, for example, hey, we all have Blue Mondays, I think of the fact that to even have the job that I have today, to even live where I live, to be able to drive a car, to be able to go out for dinner with my multiracial, multicultural friends is a right that I should stand in because of my predecessors who carved the way, who blazed the trail, who laid the foundation and who planted the seed. And that is the that is why it's not a weight for me. It's not a burden, but it is a light that I stand in proudly. So I could not be prouder. I could not be happier i could not be fuller to then to be a young person in south africa today to think of my absolute true heroes the youth of 1976 specifically the young people whose names we may have forgotten but that is that is a a a testament and a part of my life that is an anchor and a cornerstone unlike any other because they we may have forgotten their names but that was someone's brother and that was someone's daughter and that was someone's grandchild and that was someone's neighbor so we may not have billboards in their honor but someone lost someone in their lives. And the least that we can do is carry them in our hearts and in our spirits and in our actions as well. So I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And that is exactly who I look at as my youth hero. And he rose this June 16, but it also encapsulates exactly what Youth Day means to me. To all of the heroes mentioned on the list above, as well as to the likes of Hector Peterson, Hastings Ndlovu, and Debucho Mashinini, we, as cliffcentral.com, salute and thank you for your contribution. We are because you were. Hashtag 16 for 16.